Hi guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today I have Jackson Pios back on the show. And this time we are catching up on his injury. So if you didn't know, he suffered a pretty severe injury and has been out of the gym for an extended period of time. We talked back about eight months ago on episode 303 about this and his comeback and some of the lessons he learned. And unfortunately, it got extended a little bit, but I think there's such value in Jackson's experience here that a lot of us can take away a lot of positive things from this. And I think it's a very powerful story too and i'm excited to see how he goes uh, as he has his comeback now so definitely enjoy that we also touch a little bit on some of the things you might want to consider before jumping on gear and going to the enhanced side and i think that's going to be really valuable so guys definitely enjoy that and as always if you do enjoy these please do subscribe please do share this with your loved ones give us a rating over on your podcast provider we'd really appreciate that that helps it kind of travel further and uh, gives us some recognition which is really helpful for helping the podcast grow and guys without further ado let's get into the show Hi guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall. And today I'm back on with Jackson Pios. I actually can't believe it's been this long, Jackson. I wonder if you feel like it's been this long. Eight months since we last recorded. Too long, man. Too long. <laughs> I've definitely missed you. A lot has <laughs> and I mean, as well. Say again? A lot has changed as well in that yes. time. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. People ask me kind of, uh, actually, sometimes I'll ask kind of, I might even reach out to you, Jackson, like, what's going on? Or like people I have on the podcast who I'm kind of friends with online. And I, they asked me back and I'm like, nothing's really going on my end. <laughs> Nothing too much has changed. <laughs> Although when we last recorded, I didn't have uh, as good a setup as you're seeing now. It was like, yeah, just, we just moved in. I spotted that Akatsuki cloud straight yes. away as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, I don't know if you've even seen it. I should have just messaged you offline rather than doing this on the podcast, but I've got a Itachi. Oh, you didn't has, show me that, man. That is no. mental. <laughs> so Jealous. Jealous. Go, you've uh, and, influenced and, and me. For, and for the listeners, they, they should probably know that uh, we're, we, re, we reschedule podcasts to fit in anime-inspired <laughs> ink <laughs> sessions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I have to thank Jackson for getting me into like anime to be honest um in some way because i was into dragon ball but then you were like if you like dragon ball you've got to watch naruto and i was like so into naruto and now i'm like getting through all the big ones so just finished hunter mm. x hunter and Lucky. moving yeah i know it is i mean now i can i always got motivation from the dragon ball stuff but now it's like I'm listening, like my music in the gym is just remix of just different animes. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's mm -hmm. been, it's been great. So if people aren't on that yet, I mean, just look at Jackson for inspiration and uh, <laughs> you'll move on to the right path. Secret. It's like, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a box that once you tap into it, I feel like it helps you to level up all areas of your life to be fair. Yeah. It makes me emotional. I can't even understand it. It's like, this is a cartoon, but why am I getting so emotional? <laughs> For real, you won't see me emotional that many times, but I mean, the drier pain arc, <laughs> that's, yeah. you see me in my bottom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so yeah, last time we were talking about your injury, kind of dealing with that mentally, uh, kind of how to come back from it successfully and some life les lessons that you drew from that. And I think it hasn't quite gone how we're both hoping for that to have gone like eight months. I imagine when we were recording that, we're thinking next time we record, you're going to be back kind of fully mm -hmm. at it. But I believe it's actually only been about a month since that injury that you've been able to kind of move forward with things. Is that about right? You've been in the gym for about a month. That is correct. So I've been back light for, for a month and it's been a cumulative time off this year doing nothing slightly over eight months. 
So I had a, I had a couple of attempts at a comeback that lasted about one to three weeks, but um, it's been time off this year has been over eight months now. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty nasty. How are you feeling? Have you done approach it differently this time around? Now you've kind of, it seems like you're going to be able to go on for longer. It's not going to be another setback. Yeah, I, I, I approached it. I approached it very differently. Like when, when I got injured, I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to do the the Kobe Bryant ACL where it's like, everyone tells you that you need 12 months off to fully heal from an ACL. But like Kobe is like, nah, I'm going to figure out a way to do everything possible to heal myself and be back faster than the average. And, and he somehow managed to be back on court just over seven months. It, it made, sorry, dogs in the way. Um, to be back in Portland in just over over seven months, it, like it was, it defied all logic. So I was like, okay, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better than all of the doctors' suggestions, and I'm gonna do everything possible to expedite the recovery process. And and the danger of that is, was, once I had the inkling that I was right, I, I I wanted to rush in, and I was like, right, comebacks on, like because it, it's. It's quite interesting, like with these long-term injuries, which I've never sustained before, where it's like anything over sort of, I would say four months off is kind of the same. It's like that initial period is like worse, 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 worse. And then it sort of hits a threshold and it's just like, okay, what what, what even is training anymore? And the same desire to to come back and get back into it sort of remains remains constant. And I think I think my issue was just because I had that such that strong desire to get back and get back to my best quickly, it probably led to me doing some things in the gym that I wasn't quite ready for. And the the most severe of those behaviors illuminated itself when I was in the gym. I think I was about 12 or 13 days back after healing the largest of my wounds, which was on my lower back. The wound was was closed over and I was doing a warm-up set for tricep extensions with a dumbbell on an incline bench, had six kilos in my hand and went to lower the weight and I just felt an unusual pop and stood up in the gym and I could see all the blood coming through my shirt, like running down my back in the, in the middle of the gym. And I, and I had like things in Bali are quite difficult for medical treatment. So I'm like riding home on my motorbike, trying to get to the hospital while blood's like pouring out of my back. So things like that was just, okay, that was too quick. Like, yes, the wound was, was closed, but it wasn't strong. So um, following that reopening, I had another, I think it was 10 week stint of like off time. But once it healed, I waited a whole nother month until I considered any exercise. Cause I was like going, going through that, like that moment of standing in the gym thinking I was healed and then looking in the mirror, like with my music playing, like no one in the gym realizing what happened. It was so surreal. It was like, I was in an alternate fucking dimension by the blood's like 
all rolling through my back. I'm like, how, how, how is this happening? This I cannot be put back on the sidelines again after having to go through that whole mental turmoil and cycle to then have to go back into that again. It was like a loop and it was, it was absolutely terrifying. So that fear that was put into me, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do one mode of exercise until I feel like I'm guaranteed that things can be safe. And, and even the, the initial sessions of back doing some sort of resistance training, I was terrified, man. I was like, honestly walking on eggshells around the gym and like, I would like, the any 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 sort of um movement that simulated like me putting my elbow out behind my arm i would get like flashbacks and and would give me like anxiety so that that fear was was probably a good thing maybe um to to yeah. that that just that just honed the lesson and i was like you need to you need to get back into it but you need to do it fucking slowly because your mind is further advanced than where your physique is right now. And it's going to take a significant amount of time before the physique is going to be able to execute what the mind is asking of it. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm probably getting to that point now where the, the mind and the physique are, are starting to get a little bit closer. And, and of course I'm, I'm still small. I'm, I'm weak trying to establish mind muscle connections is very, very difficult. It almost feels like I'm, I'm learning a new skill. Like it, it's just, I'm performing the movement, but I can't seem to direct the contraction and the tension to where I want it. It's, it's quite unusual. And, uh, but there is improvements there and, and there's, there's, there's slow improvements and I'm, for my psyche and my well-being, God, I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to be, back in a routine because i mean my whole my whole life gets anchored through that routine yeah uh it makes a, a ton of sense for you going through that because i mean especially at the level you are and, and i'm pretty sure you'd got to a point with your training where you really ha had a high focus on like intensity was like something you were um pushing quite a lot and that was something that was you're enjoying with training and getting a lot of progress through that as well and so your mind is probably still there with that and then, but like you said, your body isn't quite there to catch up. And yeah, no, I'm not surprised you're kind of worried about getting back into the gym because I guess it's like a protective, a smart protective mechanism by the body anyway. It's like, dude, you're putting yourself through this again. Like surely you don't want yeah. to. And uh, I guess yeah, the only solace, solace with that is the injury you've got from the sounds of it. It's not like a, some people get like back injuries or knee injuries and they're forever terrified of going back into like compound lifts or whatever whereas yours is more like a wound so once you are fully healed you can feel fairly confident but it's like that initial period you have to be really careful with yeah it's that it's that initial period and in, in of of just sort of testing the waters but also like something that, that i didn't realize was going to be such a, a big issue to climb over was the amount of scar tissue that i have in my lower back from from having four surgeries on the area I have on MRI, I basically have scar tissue the size of a tennis ball, right positioned sort of in my lower lat. So you can imagine any sort of shoulder abduction, adduction, extension that or anything that's sort of moving the lat. We've got like lat muscle that's basically bumping straight into scar tissue and it's not painful, but it, it makes it very difficult to perform movements smoothly. 
and feel like how they're yeah. how they're, they're supposed to be performed. So I'm I'm basically doing all unilateral work because if I try to try to do bilateral, it just it feels like I'm gonna fall over to one side. It, it's that that much of an issue. Um, and I'm getting I have to get treatment on it twice a week. Basically, the this was from the plastic surgeon's advice, like the deep massage into the scar tissue to try and give some more flexibility and mobility to it over time so I can start to get more range of motion on my left side. Cause at the moment, my like my range of motion through my my shoulder is absolutely horrid. Oh, like I can't even stretch up to like touch the ceiling, you know, it's, it's, it's cause there's just been so much of that tissue, like having to heal. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's like, I'm a little bit deformed on my left side. So I'm not going to know. I actually don't know how that's going to affect posing later on what that's going to look yeah. like when I'm like sort of shredded. Am I going to look completely lopsided? Those sort of things I'm, I'm going to have to deal with later on. But at the moment, I'm just so, so happy to be back in a routine, albeit a very light, moderate beginner routine. Um, but it's that's where it has to start and it needs yeah. to progress slowly. Otherwise, yeah, I learned my lesson and I, I cannot go back there. No, I... Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can only imagine the fr I, the only thing I have had recently that was similar to this. Not similar, but it was like the I had an exertion headache, and I was like, every if I'd push too hard, I'd set myself back five steps, and I was like, I, like I just got to ease off. And obviously, yours is way more extreme past that. Um, but it's not a nice feeling when you're like on the edge of like you kind of have to go through like you said that first mistake to learn your lesson enough to be like right now I really need to ease off to go through this. Mm -hmm. And yep. that beginner stage, I have very vague memories of it only because my accident was over a decade ago where I came off a kind of over four months off the gym and then came back in. I remember getting under the barbell and being like, Holy, like I can't bench a barbell because I just don't have the coordination. Or if you have a one-on-one -on -one PT, like a newbie and they're like dumbbell pressing and they're like pushing it all. They have the strength mm -hmm. just like you will, but you don't have that kind of neuromuscular coordination yet. So you're yeah. kind of yeah. <laughs> reintroducing all of that right now, which mm -hmm. I guess is better. It, it probably is somewhat frustrating knowing where you've been and you're trying to get back there. But like, it sounds like more than anything, it's just nice to be back in doing what, grounds you each and every day mentally oh god yeah yep and then i guess yeah i mean your long-term goal and I, I i guess you don't probably have too many thoughts on this right now it, i think was to go pro as an ifbb I, I don't know if you were going into like classic that was kind of the route you were going down yeah so like the the injury came at a at a very difficult period for me in terms of the mental scheme of things because i'd basically just gone through six months of making the best progress in my physique ever to the point of like being like really surprised and being like, this is actually like, it was shocking to me. And, and rarely did, did you make that sort of progress where you're like, Holy crap, like I'm, I'm transforming here. And I had a point where probably for the first time in my life where I was like, I can be a legitimate threat at a pretty decent standard. And I was, I was walking around like 116 kilos at 5'11", not too fat. And I was like, geez, it, this would probably look pretty okay with, with a good prep under the belt. So my intentions when I was writing out my goals on January 1st was to compete at the end of 2022 and, and, and push for that pro card in the IFBB. And then two weeks later, I had the first accident. So it was, it was, it was, 
it's been very rough to go from like feeling like you're Superman in terms of the of how you feel about your physique and the progress that you're making to then seeing yourself the worst I've ever visually seen my my physique like I even before like hitting the gym I don't feel like I've, I've looked that bad because I was always doing some form of like athletics and and always had like an athletic looking physique but there's there's there was a unique thing I think of just being purely like sedentary which I was forced to do and the muscle wasting that come that is accompanied by that that just gives a, a very horrid look to the physique so in the space of eight months I've gone from the best to the worst ever and and that's been tough and and when I look at my physique now and people say like oh are you still going to compete it's hard for me to realistically engage with that conversation right now because I look at myself and like how could you even say that you are look at you you know so I think it's gonna take some time for me to feel like I can that's gonna be a, a consideration again like I yeah. think it's gonna take me a good six months of of recouping what was lost before I can even start having that on my mind like of course that is that is the long term objective but the distance from because I, I i don't compete for for the fun of it i compete to be competitive and i won't go up until i can be competitive and the distance from where i am now to to where i would need to be to be competitive is is monstrous it is monstrous and i don't know how long that's going to take and everyone says well muscle memory is going to kick in and it's like yeah okay but who's had eight months off that you know like who's had eight months off lifting that you know like not that many people i'm gonna take a guess and it's like so yes we can we can and like we can put our confidence in in the the principles of muscle memory and st such but there's still that element of doubt in my mind it's like can you get it back like can you get all of that back in a quick enough time for which the, like like that that physique took you years and years and years to build are you going to be able to recoup it in less than 12 months it, it's and and a lot of people would say, yeah, don't worry, muscle memory, it'll come back. But I, I've never seen it. I've never seen I've I've never seen people be out for that long and and surpass their previous best within a year. And of course, that is my my objective for next year is to reattain my best possible physique. Um, but I feel like I just need to keep my my eyes my gaze on my toes at the moment, like a like a marathon runner, just just focus on the step in yeah. front of you don't look too far uh, to look where the finish line might be just focus on taking the next step and then take the next one and then if you take enough steps you might find yourself close to the finish line so at the moment i'm not i'm not trying to to look too far ahead i just i know what needs to be done on a weekly basis to make sure that i'm better than last week and that's all i'm focusing on for now yeah. i think that's a, a really healthy perspective i think that's a great perspective just goals in mind like do the thing like process oriented almost just focus on the things you know you need to get done what will be will be and i was going to say we all know the theory of muscle memory but it's one thing to then go through it yourself so it'll be probably a good lesson for you as well because yeah. I, similarly i have not seen someone who's completely committed their life towards uh, like bodybuilding and then just completely gone off the rails for a year and then try and build that back in a short period of time maybe yeah. some people know some examples and I'm, there's going to be some there but it's like you said will it be all of it you're you're trying to get every someone, bit you can 
Someone's going to jump in and be like, yeah, Kevin Lavroni. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 0.001% genetic anomaly. Thank you for yeah. comparing me to him. <laughs> yeah, it's challenging when people use those sort of, yeah, very yeah. Uh, obviously that's a good, well-known example, but it's like you said, mm-hmm. if you compare yourself to one of like the top professionals out there, that's a bit of a, a stretch potentially. So uh, I guess one of the questions I have and other people would have, and we probably talked this about this last time a little bit, but it may have changed for you. Obviously it meant, like when I even know this, I'm going through a deload this week where I'm spending less time at the gym and I have more time to myself. I'm like, oh man, what do I do? And it's a bit of like a, a void in that week every single time. You had that for an extended stretch. From the outside in, it looked like you filled the void with work. Is that some of what you filled it with? Obviously you've opened up pump kitchens. That wasn't a thing when we last chatted, which looks awesome by the way, because I know you did quite a bit of work around like having some digs at some of the companies that were trying to do something similar to what you're doing, but you're actually doing the thing. So I don't know, a bit of an update surrounding that would be really cool. Yeah, so the the first period post-injury was very difficult. Like I, I can I can say that throughout the entire rehab period, I did find my answers on how to rearrange my lifestyle to make it productive. But there was a good stretch of time, and I would suggest probably up till two or three months where I would say life was being somewhat wasted. And basically I had my identity very closely or tightly attached to the identity of an athlete. And training would be the anchoring point in my day because it would set up the time that I wake up. It would set up the time that I eat. And then that would flow on to the content that I would put on my YouTube and my Instagram training videos, diet videos. And then that content would drive my predominance of of income, which would be through coaching or, or program sales. And then Immediately post-injury, I didn't have any training content to post. Didn't really have any diet content at the, at the time in terms of like being in the trenches type diet content mm-hmm. to post. Um, I didn't know what to post on my YouTube. <clears throat> there was a significant retraction in coaching interest, which surprised me a lot, but it was palpable. And, and that caused a lot of fear in me too, just thinking, geez, like, because I was starting to ask myself the questions of if you're not training, who the fuck are you? And I didn't have a really good answer to that question at the time. And I was struggling with a lot of depressive thoughts for some time because uh, I felt like I couldn't provide value to people when I wasn't training. And I didn't really have any solution to that for an extended period of time. And a lot of time was spent sort of sitting on the couch trying to think what's next or how do I pull myself out of this? And like people know that like I love, I love anime, but I mean, like once I've watched two or three episodes, like I'm, I'm, I'm itchy, you know, like that's, that's my like threshold is that I can't, I can't stay focused on it anymore. I need to go and do something like productive that I have like a mental cap. And then once I'm at like three, it's like, okay, like that's done. The cup is filled. Now I need to go do some things. So it's not like I could just comfortably like watch TV all day or anything like that. Like I would, I would literally turn the TV off and and sit in silence and, and just 
explore my brain, which had had positives, but had a hell of a lot of negatives because you just go through these, you go down these dark tunnels. Now, it took me some serious mental exploration to to come to the conclusion that my ability to provide value to people was not limited to training alone. And, and that's what directed me to start doing, basically the idea just popped in my head to start doing some talk to camera reels. That was sort of the first step of feeling like I was actually making progress in my life. Cause I, I feel like two or three months went by where I, I was like, what have you got? What have you got to show for this month? Nothing. Yeah. Right? And that fucks me up because I feel like anything that we're doing in anything in life, it's like, we should be able to look back a month ago and like, like, have we done better? And like, that should always be the goal. So being able to experiment with talk to camera reels was a big win for me because all of a sudden engagement started coming back through socials. It gave me a little bit more fulfillment feeling like I was like, okay, I'm back in the industry, making a little bit of a, a difference because God, I, I, I shit you not, Steve, I was this close to me to deleting all socials and being like, fucking I'll just ghost until I'm back. And then I'll pop up and like, Hey guys, I'm back. Cause I, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with yeah. people messaging every fucking day. Like how's the injury? Or like, how long do you think you're going to be out for? Like, it was, it was really tough. So I was, I was so close to deactivating everything and just, just ghosting it and be like, I'll, I'll sort my shit out. I'll go dark. And then I'll come back like eight, 10, 12 months later. And I'm fucking glad that I didn't do that. Cause that would have been a coward's move and it would have been a massive waste because there are other, other outlets for people to provide value. And I think that's an important lesson that I want to share with a lot of other people is like, don't pigeon your whole yourself to one thing because you're not just tied to a single dimension like training. There's many other outlets that you can affect people positively. And, and so my engagement started coming back up, felt like I was making a difference again. Coaching was starting to like pick up again. And I was like, okay, I, I feel like I'm not drowning as much in terms of all aspects of my life. And then I started pivoting a little bit on my YouTube by doing more like reaction reviews and, and that, gave me some fulfillment as well and then that sort of just got my my head above the water so I could sort of breathe for a second and I could think I could think with a little bit more clarity instead of getting like clouded in depressive thoughts of like you're wasting your time you're not doing anything like when you when you're so negative with those thoughts it's very hard to think clearly because you just you just become this victim and and, yeah. and it's when you were too emotional, we're not logical. So now that I was able to sort of get on top of my emotions a bit, I could think a bit more logically. And I was like, okay, let's look at this with a completely like objective lens here. You've got a shitload more free time than you normally have because you're not training, you're not doing pre-workout meals and post-workout meals and all of these things. So if you're smart, you're going to figure out a way to reallocate that time to be productive in some other means until you can be back in the gym. And and that was sort of my second pivot, which was to to open a restaurant, a fitness restaurant, um, Pump Kitchen. And I thought, geez, like the, I'd I'd been motivated to do open a restaurant for I would say a couple of years, just purely from the dissatisfaction with the restaurant dining out industry 
in general and their ability to cater to fitness focused individuals who want to have trust in the nutritional information, the macros, the calories and such. So that, that, that had always been on the back of my mind, but I'd sort of never been in either one, the financial position or two, the time position to be able to execute on it. And I thought, geez, if there's ever a time to do this, it's right fucking now. So you got a bunch of time, like you can manage your, like, yeah, coaching takes some time, but you like, the, the amount of time that you free up from not training and not doing cardio and not preparing all your meals for the next day and things like that. You got, you got a lot of time, man. So you got to spend that well. And so from basically, I would say April till August, I figured out a way to open a restaurant. And, um, and that was probably that, defied the expectations of a lot of people around me like close friends like what are you doing you don't know you don't know anything about restaurants you don't know like how to do that where are you going to get your staff like where's your chef like where are you going to get food from and like how are you going to rent where are you going to rent and stuff like that and I was like geez I'm just going to push like I was like I don't have all the answers for this I have very few answers to this but I'm just going to push forward and I'll answer one question at a time and if I don't have the answer I'm going to find someone who can give me the answer and I'll just cross each bridge when I get there. And I just made the the contract with myself that every day I was going to work a little bit on it. So I would always have a list in my notes of like a number of jobs that I needed to get pump open. And each day I'd make sure I'm getting at least one of those jobs done um, each day. And God, when you, when you go in with that amount of pressure on yourself, to execute every day, God, you can do things quick. Like most people were saying that I would, I would need sort of 12 to 18 months to, to open a restaurant and to like plan the menu, like hire your staff, fit it out, do all those things. I did it in an absolute fraction of the time. And in that time, like from, from April was when I sort of had the idea to, to open these cafes. I'm going to be opening my second one in two weeks. So in, 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 in what people might expect to open one might might take 12 to 18 months. There's going to be two opened in the space of, of nine months. So I think the message there is like, if you truly dedicate yourself to a mission and, and you put pressure on yourself to say like, I have obligations, not obligations to anyone else, but obligations to myself to execute each day, you can make quantum leaps in progress far, far quicker than, 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 than most people could expect. So um, that has been the major blessing in my injury, probably the the silver lining. And uh, and if Pump continues to grow and get to the level that I hope it or envision it to get to one day, I think I'll, I'll look back and say, potentially, uh, I, I can't say that yet, but I, I might just say, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm glad I went through that because it, it forced me to look far, far deeper mentally spiritually than I've ever had to look before. And uh, uh, it's sort of cliche, but 100% we, we learn the most when we lose and the biggest lessons come from the biggest losses, I think. And this is by far like this injury was the, the biggest loss or defeat that I've ever had to deal with to date. And 100% it's also the most I've ever learned about myself in the space of 12 months as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was powerful, I think, and, and really interesting to hear about it too because, yeah, I think a lot of people 
have it's a scary thought actually in terms of like if you have bodybuilding taken away from you what's left and so you kind of it sounds like at least you use that drive that you had for your training for the bodybuilding process you put it into pump kitchens and like that you almost needed that to kind of move yourself forward but you're right in that you could have taken the easy way out you could have just you know put on tons of weight watch tons of anime films and just like not really done anything with your life for a couple of years until you're a covenant's like i think that would have probably hurt you more than you realize and it's funny some people ask me about my accident with the like my head injury and everything do i regret that it's like no way that i wouldn't revive stronger wouldn't exist without that now that's 10 years ago so hopefully you look back in 10 years you're like no way i regret that injury like yeah it sucked there were dark moments but it forced you to become like pressure builds diamonds as they say and it forced Mm -hmm. you to really really develop something cool so uh, and i mean powerful and like you said you did it in time that people wouldn't even imagine you'd be able to with pump kitchens you've got one if i'm right you've got one in bali and is the next one in melbourne is that where that one's going so I've got one in Perth, which is my hometown in Australia. Okay. The, the Bali one is going to be open uh, in two weeks. It's basically all done. I'm just, this week okay. I was interviewing staff and organizing scheduling and, and menu testing. So we're right there. So I'm absolutely pumped, well, pun intended, <laughs> to, get, to get that one rolling. And, um, and I mean, no one else really knows this, but I'm already in discussions to to have um, I've got a business partner lined up and and there's there's plans opening Melbourne um, early, early in uh, 2023. That's awesome. I'm so, I guess the one in Perth is going as well as you could have hoped considering you've all looked to Bali already. It, it's funny, like like when I was planning, when I had the idea of like to launch Pump and, and obviously I wanted to launch it in my, my hometown first, at no stage was I asking myself the question, how much money might you make from this? It's like, I think the best people in the world, like they don't worry about how much money they can make. They worry about what the fuck they can make, you know? And I just wanted to make something really freaking cool for the industry. That was one motivation. But the second motivation was I wanted a positive outlet to spend my time where I felt like I was being productive and actually progressing my my life versus just sitting on the pause button. So when you when 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 people ask like, oh, how's pump doing? It's like I already won just by doing it, you know, yeah. because I, I achieved those two motivations of, of of being able to have a positive outlet to invest my time and to be able to create something that I was really proud of at the at the end product. So the fact that that people are starting to accept it and that there's good growth and, and we're starting to get a really good vibe around the store, like they're just bonuses for me now. Honestly, yeah, yeah. They, they're truly just cherry on top. Do you not see the progress you would like? Are you sick of writing your own programs? Or perhaps you need some accountability in order to stick with the plan? Then it's time to start working with us. We at Revive Stronger offer a truly personalized coaching service. You'll get more than just an email with some macros or random cookie cutter program. With Revive Stronger, you will be the center of our attention. You will receive your own fully individualized training protocol alongside a customized nutritional strategy. We created the coaching around your needs, wants, personal preferences, and your own unique lifestyle. Every single week, we delve into your program in order to make appropriate adjustments so that we 
get the most out of your time and the best possible outcome. We help both female and male athletes to seriously change their body composition by adding more muscle mass and decreasing fat tissue. No matter if you're a competitive bodybuilder or just want to look better. If you need help with your progress and taking your physique to the next level, our coaching is for you. It's time to make a change. Sign up today and let's revive stronger. That's really nice here and I agree actually it's not that it's comparable really but people will ask like I started the podcast I never started it to be kind of a, a business endeavor it was just I was so lucky to be able to talk to smart people and share that knowledge with the world I was like man I know these smart individuals I, a lot of people I know don't I want to be able to talk to them learn more myself and share that and now it's now I look I feel like I should be looking at numbers and trying to grow it more and whatever but still <laughs> it, it just it, that's the secondary thing it, it's not the first thing and I can completely see that with with pump for the listeners how would you kind of summarize pump because we've kind of spoken about it it's like a fitness restaurant but if people are like if they're going to visit the store what what can they expect it is a dine out experience for fitness focused individuals where they can get restaurant quality customizable meals with all their calories and macros provided with every ingredient that they consume being weighed down to the gram so it's it's built off having fitness friendly options but also massively having trust that what you think you're getting, you're actually getting. I think people, like you, some under, underestimate how much that kind of social aspect of eating out impacts people's experience through like a contest prep. I know for me it does. I want to go out with my girlfriend who is not into fitness at all. It's like, man, there's only a select number of restaurants I kind of feel comfortable knowing that I'm getting something that I vaguely know the numbers no one wants to bring their scale to a restaurant i remember doing that in my first prep and that was like why the fuck did i do that that kind of mm -hmm. crazy just don't go but then you're removing a whole social aspect so knowing that there's somewhere like your place where it's like oh, i can actually go there with like family friends whatever partners and like i don't have to worry about num like weighing things out or that i'll be off and i can just go and enjoy a meal i think that's underestimated how valuable that could be i, th I think it takes a massive mental strain off the athlete because the, the what I think is a massive shame is the most committed among us in terms of their fitness and athletic pursuits. They there's just no trust in the restaurant industry that the, the very committed amongst us just say, well, that's not for me. Then I can't I can't have those things because my goals are more important than the potential deviations that I might incur through through dining out. So I just won't do it, and that's a shame that 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 the committed can't be a part of that. So I want to I wanted to change that and and have a place where those people could go and not feel stressed out and not have to apply a 30% my fitness pal estimation bracket to to sort of make sure that they're not blowing blowing things out of the water. And what's been really cool for me is as being able to like send some of my Perth clients to pump like and and getting the feedback there like yeah. this is like it doesn't feel like I'm dining. I can go out I can go out and have like my post-workout meal with, with my buddies and like, it's all on plan and this is the best. So little, little moments like that. It's like, okay, this is, I'm confident this is something that the industry needs. It just needs to like expand across to, to more people and, and we can do some good here. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Do you know Das Gym? Have you heard of uh, the gym in Vienna? Do you know mm. they've got, they've got one, I think at the moment, Das Annabol. They might be opening another one. It's a similar, it sounds similar to Pump, in fact. It might be worth, I don't know, 
if it was chatting to them it just made me think we ate at das anna bowl like after our session at das gym it's like a like it was like a similar experience in terms of like you know the numbers they create the meals for you and you just kind right. of eat there yeah. so yeah, yeah they, they might have some thoughts there but that's that's really cool and uh, the yeah. other thing i actually wanted to touch on that you said was this element of like what am i without training i think a lot of people experience that when like post-show for example like you compete and you have that whole like that's creating all of your kind of social media content you're ripped you're shredded and it's like now your post show looking way softer especially i don't know if especially as a natural but as a natural like you, you don't look that impressive you haven't got like the shreds there and i think it's so well said by you and i know a lot of the listeners kind of are in the industry too like you have other like as long as you've got a brain up there like you can do that sit down content and i i love the content you produce and it's high quality it's engaging and again you're you have your own special take on things and the way you speak and i think everyone needs to remember that like you can say things to the way you present it in that way like you have your own opinion on stuff and like i think you attract people to you that way yeah thank you man yeah on that on that point of like the the post show like social media phantoms <laughs> they just go they go missing post show i think that's a a, a massive massive shame too because a lot of the time it's it's people who have tied their identity to a certain look and it, it's it's generally an identity of like having like ripped abs vascularity very lean like contest ready and that's what they've tied their identity to and then all of a sudden the the post-show period comes and there's a little bit of body fat regain and they, they don't quite look as peeled and they, they don't have the same glute striations and it went from four to two or something like that um but what is the massive shame in all of this is is a lot of the time these are top tier physiques that a lot of people look up to and aspire to and get motivation and education from. And by ghosting throughout the entire off season, improvement season, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it is like that value that you could provide in terms of, of going through that process and, and what actually needed to be done behind the curtain to get those retouched photos as the end product with your abs and the veins, that's probably much more valuable than just posting the the shredded picture. And a lot of these people is like they they have motivations to to build a, a presence within the fitness industry, but they cut themselves off so massively short by just not posting because they, they 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 don't feel like their identity is aligned when they're at ten percent body fat versus versus four percent. I've got a very close friend who has massive massive potential, Jordan Madashi, who almost won his pro card in the IFBB last show, and he won't mind me saying this because I'd say it to his face. But he he goes ghost off of every off season, and it's it, it's a shame because he has so so much potential to grow a brand, to to grow a presence, and to make positive impact in the industry. But he doesn't feel confident in the body fat that he's at, so he just he 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 will go he will go missing. So, I think it's the the way that I see it is like you wouldn't if you wanted to develop your physique, you you wouldn't just take six months off training every year because then you'd look like me. So why would you take six months off your your content creation and things like that if you're looking to grow a social media presence? And like not everyone's trying to grow a social media presence, of of course, yeah. but a lot of people are. A lot of people are. And so you're doing yourself a massive disservice. And uh, I think people need to be cognizant of the fact that you can't, and, 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 and I, I say this from a high horse, but this was only something that I truly grasped this year was like, 
you can provide value in so many different outlets if you just lift your eyes up and explore some different areas and, and some different pathways. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I think I saw him actually, well, I definitely have seen him. I think you did it. Have you done a few real collaborations with him as yeah. well? Yeah, he looked he looked incredible, like absolutely insane physique. So yeah, mm. if, I mean, someone like him who's knowledgeable as well as having that kind of, I mean, crazy physique looking at him. Again, even him signing off season in a t-shirt, like creating a, a reel, he's got people are going to be looking like, oh, this guy's clearly is. He's, like- still <laughs> he's still in the point one percent, and everyone goes, yeah. whoa! Like it's 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 that trouble with attaching your identity, having too rigid of an identity to to something like training or a certain body fat level. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess if we put a close a little bit to that subject, because I have a secondary one, we have a bit yeah. of time on. If people want, I think you're documenting kind of your return, at least you had that real, I don't know if that physique update that you put up there, was that you at your kind of lowest or is that after a bit of time back? So it, it's quite interesting with, with like um, watching my physique change. Like um, it's sort of there, there was the initial sort of, I would say maybe up to two months, it wasn't too bad. I still kind of looked like I lift. Like there was a, a couple of weeks where you like obviously deflate from the, the glycogen and things like that. But then from sort of week three up to week eight, it was not too bad. But then from that end of the second month to probably like six months, that was pretty nasty. It was like, whoa, muscles coming off quick now. Like it, I, I would consider it like muscle wastage. Like every few days it's like, geez, is this going to slow down? Um and and that's albeit keeping a, a high protein intake still and 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 getting three or four protein feedings across the day. But then from that sort of like six to eight months, there was like quite quite a bit of a plateau. So I would say that like the six to eight was sort of just me like at my worst. So it, that that video that you that you're referring to that was me at what I consider my worst. But it was maybe. It was probably about two months ago, but I would say that was pretty similar to what my physique looked like when I first started touching a weight again. I think that took a lot to even put it out there. And I guess maybe you didn't want to put it out there till you knew you were getting back into things. Yeah, I was like, this is probably going to scare some people. Like, and and I was like, I've, uh, and I was also thinking like in this eight months, I've had a lot of new followers and they're going to think, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what happened to this guy? Like, did he get some disease? Um, and like, I did, I did get some like, and, and I, I say nasty messages, but it, it's, it's messages from a place of ignorance, not trying to sure. attack, but like messages of, of people saying things like, how, how is this possible? How can you look this bad? Like, cause they, they don't understand like what happened that they're, yeah. they're really shocked. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely was not going to post that video until I'd got a few weeks of training under the belt because I was terrified of getting back in the gym. And I was like, if you tell people that you're back in the gym and you get put out again, like people might, might not as care as much as as I imagine they do. Yeah. But I would feel like people would think, God, this guy's just a mess. He can't sort his shit out, you know? Um, so I was like, I, I, I need to 
get go from a, a crawl to a bit of a walk here before I can I, I feel comfortable talking talking about being sort of back because if if I have another setback which at the time when on like my first gym session where I was like terrified I was like I don't feel safe here like there, there's who knows who knows what's yeah. around the corner so yeah I didn't want to I didn't want to announce anything before I'd been able to get something going and I felt somewhat confident now I was just thinking what you need now this this is this will shock people have your peak where you were at your best then have a like before and after to that one and then yeah. we're going to get the after after for people soon enough <laughs> I've, I've got to do that I, I actually looked at those photos from from January um not too long ago and I was like and it's who is that guy like it's so hard to imagine that, that like it's 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 truly a very unusual sensation to look at yourself and truly not recognize that person. Like I, I cannot fathom being that large and like having that much muscle compared to like the, the frame that I, that I walk around with now. It's, it's quite uh, extraordinary is the, is the word that I would use. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the best to worst to best that uh that video is is one that i'm very motivated to to do justice um i'm two and episodes hoping, and not just to to blow my own trumpet but to to for others to be able to see something like that and be like yeah you can yep. go through some serious shit and like you can be put back to a point where you completely feel like you've lost yourself and you can still get back yep. if you want bad enough I was just going to say I'm two episodes into all, uh, sorry, into um, MHA. Um, so yeah, My Hero Academia. And obviously I've now seen All Might. So I'm like imagining this for you. <laughs> this is yeah, going to be a good little I, reel. I am, I, I am All Might without his quirk. <laughs> or I think. Uh, or Batman way- when, when he takes the poison. <laughs> not quite there but um i imagine it if people think of like ronnie coleman to like where he is now like it's a like it's not quite to that extreme where you are i wouldn't say but it's like not too dissimilar to that sort of deflation in a sense but unlike ronnie coleman you're going to be able to build back up and get better than that too which is mm-hmm. really cool yeah yeah let's hope man that's the mission we only have 10 minutes or like just over 10 minutes so i I don't know how much we can dig into this secondary topic and i think we've i I was really glad to dig over all of that actually because i think you had a lot of value to share on that jackson and i think there will be more gems that come out from you over like the years as you reflect on all of it and we see this kind of uh transformation afterwards and in fact actually if this is why i brought up the real if people want to check out kind of and follow that journey are you going to be documenting a bit on i guess instagram but also on youtube you bet you bet yeah so i'll make sure i want to i think that's that's what I want the silver lining to be from all of this is to like use it as a story that can help pick others up when they feel like they're at their worst. Yeah. I totally see that. Um, again, I keep comparing it back to my kind of accident and things, but <laughs> I can't really because I was not at the peak of my physique at all, but uh, it's surprising how quickly you can use, lose what you have like in a short period of time, but people are definitely link your YouTube and make sure your Instagram's there so people can follow that along. Cause I think it will be inspiring for people to see and a good journey to follow. I guess if I, on the next subject, we're going to be talking a bit about kind of steroids and performance enhancing drugs. I think there was one main question I had for you, Jackson, that I think would be powerful for people. It's cause I think you're quite honest about these sort of things, which I really appreciate and honest to the point of which where you're like, 
should you use steroids or not? That's kind of the, a question I think you've done a piece of social media content on. Um, what things do you think people should really think about before they kind of take that route? Yeah, it's it's a it's a loaded question, isn't it? I think 100% one of the biggest mistakes enhanced users make is engaging too early irrelevant of what their aspirations or motivations are to if they want to win open mr olympia i still think that that there is an extremely strong rationale for accumulating five to maybe even 10 years of natural lifting before engaging with those things and the reason being is once you sprinkle some drugs in the mix everything works and that allows you to get away with a lot of subpar approaches with your diet training somewhat and it gives you the false sense that you have discovered the optimal approach to developing a physique and and this is why sort of bro science came to be and and, and why people can say like well why like those things have no science why why do people believe them and why do people still do them and i could be talking about like bc AA's or um try to think what else like pump sets and and all all these sort of supersets drop sets whatever you want to, whatever you want to class in the bro science category and basically it's because the the enhanced bodybuilders who who had started engaging with drugs too early started morphing and were trialing a lot of different things with their diet and their training and and, and <clears throat> irrelevant of whether those practices were optimal or not they were growing very very rapidly and then they started telling their buddies that they need to start drinking bcaas during their workouts and that they need to start doing supersets every single exercise and that they need to be doing 50 sets of chest in a chest session and, and stuff like that and then over time, what we have is like all these enhanced guys playing Chinese whispers and then all of the other people outside of um, those circles looking inwards and being like, well, these guys are the biggest and best physiques in the industry and that's what they're doing. So it must be correct. And over time, these ineffective practices become law. And I think that it limits the potential of athletes because they don't actually know what the right approach is and what the wrong approach is. And if they actually knew what the right approach is, if they added some um, some PEDs in in combination with that, they're going to go far far beyond what they would, how far they could potentially go if they started using these things in the first couple of years of their of their training career. And it's 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 very similar if I allude it to. Um, the notion, and, and this has been confirmed in, in some of the other narrative literature, is that very gifted athletes at a young age make terrible coaches, irrelevant of how successful they were as a player. And this is across a wide range of sports, but they're often very, very poor coaches. And the reason being is when they started playing the game, a lot of it just came naturally to them and they were just good and they didn't have to analyze or pivot their approach or 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 have it to um audit what they were doing they were just good 
And then, so they assumed that everything that they did that, that felt natural to them was the best way. And then all of a sudden they start trying to prescribe these approaches to other athletes and it doesn't work so well. And they don't get much uh, success in a coaching capacity. And I think people can make that link with what I'm trying to say with regards to, to using the anabolics too early. And I think anyone's going to agree that the smartest bodybuilders in our industry are natural bodybuilders, not enhanced ones. And it's like, okay, why is that? And it's because the natural bodybuilders have a much harder time building muscle. So to build, to, to be able to reach a standard that is deemed impressive by the industry, to do that as a natural, God, you've got to be on point with your nutrition, training, recovery, all elements. And if any of those elements are off, you're probably not going to get to a standard that makes you recognized within the industry. So the people that are recognized, they've had to find a way to optimize the approach. And that only comes from experimenting with different approaches, analyzing literature, asking questions and, and doing all those things in like the scientific method as such, but within respect of, of your own training and nutrition to be able to find the holes, fill them, navigate roadblocks to, to, to progress further, uh, to, to surmount plateaus. So I think a lot of people need to understand that. And, I, and I'm, I'm seeing more and more of it as a coach who gets inquiries from 20 to 25 year old, let's call them young adults. And it's a, it's a, a, I'm really disappointed with not only the frequency of anabolics already introduced at the time that they're inquiring with me, but also like the severity of the protocols being used as well. And, and it's like, wow, what do we do with these, with these, young aspiring athletes who are where most often they've gone down the enhanced route because they have aspirations to to be very competitive and there's are exclusions to the rule of people who just want the, the easy route and don't want to do too much work but most of the time in my experience the people who have engaged with anabolics at a young age is because they have lofty aspirations within competition and I think it's perfectly fine to have aspirations to to, re to reach competitive success in a division that is understood to be having very prevalent with drugs across the board and, and to, to understand that to be competitive, you're probably going to have to have that as a piece inside your puzzle. But the issue is, I think they're actually doing a disservice by engaging these, in, these things too early and just taking away your ability to experiment problem solve and troubleshoot because I think you'll know this bit as, as well as I do Steve as a coach we have general principles and guidelines that can be generally applied somewhat across the board but the individual variation is extreme and you can give the same diet to 100 people and, and 20 will get shredded and 20 will get fat and 60 will do nothing you know like individual variation is significant so there has to be some individual experimentation within to be able to figure out how to optimize the approach to yourself and if you just if you just put drugs in the pot straight away unfortunately you're just not going to be able to with an uh, a valid lens audit your process to be able to figure out if it's optimal or not 
I think that's really well said uh, because, yeah, it's it's kind of like a cheat code in a sense. Like you don't have to you just put this thing in and anything therefore will work. And it's unfortunate to see people going down that route as well. I, I think part of that argument could even be if you haven't even trained five years as a natural, you don't really know what your genetic like proclivity is particularly though it might be you might have aspirations to go in the ifbb leagues and go pro but it's like do like some people just realistically aren't going to be able to go there or they might find that after five years that they're like no i can like i'm happy doing this naturally or whatever and maybe that's a fine route for them Mm -hmm. but i think that's what explained that yeah it's like uh trying to do a study and you're not kind of isolating variables you're throwing in things along the mix so then it's hard to kind of piece out what's actually working for that individual. So I think that has to be the first place that people go to, like you said, like have some years under your belt actually doing the thing. And as you said, as a natural, like you have to consistently do this for years and dot every I and cross every T and work, find out what works for you if you're going to get to a good level. And if someone isn't willing to put that same commitment towards also putting drugs on top, that probably still not going to get where they want to go. And they might just, again, like... That is the perfect point. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but it's, it's like if you're not if you're not willing to incur the cost of being patient and incurring five, seven, whatever years of of natural lifting and natural learning, then you're not in a position to be able to authentically decide that you're ready to incur the costs of PED use, in my opinion. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, even I do this sometimes. I'll look at maybe I'll look at yourself, Jackson. I look at like Mike Israel, Jared Feather, whoever it might be. And I look as a natural, I look at it with rose tinted spectacles. I don't because I don't see the downsides behind that uh, and the kind of the sacrifices that person has to make. I just see their physique and I'm like, wow, like I'd love that. But then I have to kind of be rational, pull myself back. I'm like, am I willing? to kind of incur those? Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of guys when they do get into it young, they have a similar. They, they look at the the Chris Bumstead maybe and they're like, I want that. It's like, mm-hmm. do you know what he had to go through to get there? They overvalue the benefits and they undervalue the costs. That's yeah. that's the sad thing. Because like, like even someone like Chris Bumstead, it's like he's not going to advertise his cost that he's had to incur. He's not going to advertise what his blood work looks like two weeks out of the Olympia because I can guarantee you it's not pretty, but people just look at the two weeks out photos where he's shredded and full and going to probably go win his next title. And it's just overvaluing the upside and and devaluing the the downside. And I think that's, that's the massive, massive danger. Yeah. I think that happens on, to be fair, the natural side as well, where I even try and do it. I don't like to share too much of the negatives because I'm like trying to, like be strong and if i think about the negatives too much like it hits me but uh i think it may be better on the natural side where people do talk about like people generally know at least hopefully with like definitely within our our niche the kind of libido goes the food focus but i mean those are not as large as the cost is what are involved with going enhanced potentially so um i think this we could probably do a whole another podcast on that i didn't really um i I wanted to get a bit of on time on it but uh maybe we'll just tease people for another bit of a chat around that and uh further no worries absolutely and maybe we can get another update hopefully in a few months time and you'll already be we'll see you looking more like uh, all might there and you're in a great position (laughs) yeah uh, so yeah, if people are, I'm going to ask this anyway, even though I said there'd be linked below, if people want to kind of keep up with you, Jackson, where should they be heading? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram, just at Jackson Pios. And then uh, YouTube has been a little bit 
rocky because I've struggled to to find direction with it this year while not being able to train. It's like what what am I going to show people doing? Like me chilling around in my on my couch answering client replies. And uh, but the the plan is one hundred percent to document the without saying too lame, the, the comeback story and the process and, and what is entailed to to go back from or to, to transition from the worst physique I've ever carried in my life to to hopefully what will be the best inside a 12-month stretch. So if people are, are keen to, to follow along for that, then, then yeah, YouTube is the pace for that. I think that would be so valuable just to see that process. I wish I could have thought about documenting that time for myself because even for myself selfishly to look back, I think it would just be such a powerful reminder for you to be like, man, I went through that. I can like do yeah. anything in life now. Yeah, exactly. uh, so that would be so cool. I'll make sure that's linked below. Definitely check it out, guys. Thank you again, Jackson, for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you, dude. Always a pleasure. Losing weight fast while maintaining muscle mass. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It isn't though, it's reality and we know how to do it. And we will help you achieve this. The Minicup Movement is an eight week fat loss program to make you lose a huge chunk of fat while maintaining muscle mass at the same time. We will support you from the beginning to the end so that you see the results you would like to and come out of it much stronger. You'll receive a fully automated spreadsheet that is based on your nutritional needs. You can choose between six different male and female training templates. Over 30 videos will guide you through each and every single step of the minicut so that you're getting the most out of your journey and that you always know what to do. But the best thing is that you can start whenever you want. The minicut movement is open 24-7. So if you want to learn more or you're ready to sign up, hit the link in the description below. So let's revive stronger together.